0: And today we're going to be looking at the sixth chapter of the book of John. And if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn there. And I would ask this, uh, what is your identity today? If I asked you, who are you, how would you respond to that? And there may be many answers to that question. Uh, Who am I or what is my identity? You may say things like, well, I'm a male or I'm a female. Uh, You might say, well, my identity is that of an American. Uh, You might say, I'm a Texan. You might say, well, I'm a member of this certain family or I'm a member of this certain group. But we are sometimes answering that question by not only what forms us physically, but also the associations that we make. And today what we want to do is look at our spiritual identity because in so many ways, uh, how we act and how we behave is a result of how we see ourselves. How do we see ourselves in light of who Christ is? How do we see ourselves in light of Scripture? Uh, Who am I is an important question, spiritually speaking. And this message series is called Jesus the Master Teacher. And today we're going to look at this passage of Scripture that, quite frankly, is a major turning point in the ministry of Jesus while he was here. Let me set the stage. Jesus has established his ministry. He's called his disciples to follow him, to learn from him. He's uh, spoken many times to large groups of people about the kingdom of God. And people had really marveled at his teaching. He was attracting quite an audience. He also had performed many miracles in front of people that um, identified Jesus as this powerful, powerful, powerful person whom many of that listened to him maybe even thought that he was this long-awaited Messiah who was going to fulfill all the hopes of the Jewish people, this this figure, this Messiah that we've been waiting for centuries now. Could this be him? He sure has lots of power. He sure speaks like no one we've ever heard before. The passage we will read happens right after two of the most well-known miracles that Jesus ever performed, and they're earlier in chapter 6. We looked at them last week. They are the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water. Before I read the passage, though, I want you to think of how three different groups of people might be responding to these words that we're going to look at. First, you have these Jewish skeptics. Uh, No doubt there were probably some Pharisees maybe in the skeptic crowd. Uh, They're not real sure about Jesus. Uh, They're looking for ways to trip him up. They're looking for ways to challenge him, to reveal his sources, to... Come clean. And second, you have the crowd or the many people who've jumped on the Jesus train. You know what I'm saying? They've seen all that he could do. They've heard his words, and they've seen the crowds. I don't want to be left out, so I'm going to follow along with the crowd. They loved his messages and, oh, his miracles. Jesus, do another one, please. And third, you have a different group of people, and they are the committed inner circle, or these 12 disciples. The scene starts out when Jesus is talking to the crowd and they want to know about the miracles and how they can do them. And well, Jesus says, trust in me. He tells them that just as God provided manna or bread for their ancestors in the desert, Jesus says, I am the bread of life that the Father has provided for you. And he who comes to me will never hunger. He says, I am the bread of life. And so we pick up the dialogue in verse 41 of John 6. And I'm going to read it in different sections throughout the message this morning. First is John 6, 41 to 48. He says, Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him. These are the skeptics. Because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And they were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I've come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. And then truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. These skeptics, it says they grumble, which means they murmured. It means they disagreed. They're saying that, you know, Jesus is just much too ordinary. We know his mom and his dad. He's just the kid from Nazareth. How can this Jesus say that he's come down from heaven? And Jesus uh, interrupts their grumbling. And he reinforces his claim that whoever believes in him, in whoever believes in me, you will live forever. You will have eternal life. He says, because I am the bread, I am the spiritual food of life. That's quite a claim, isn't it? Jesus is drawing the line in the sand spiritually. He's saying that if you want to have spiritual life, you're only going to find it as you feast on me, as you come to me. Spiritual nourishment, food for your soul, purpose, meaning for life is only going to be found here in me. Uh, But the skeptics, the skeptics, they look for excuses not to believe in Jesus. They look for excuses not to believe in Jesus. They said, You know, we know his father, we know his mother, we know that he came from Nazareth. He can't be from God. I know he's done the miracles, I know he's fed the 5,000. They say he walked on the water. I don't think he really did. It's amazing that these uh, skeptics can say this, having just experienced probably the feeding of the 5,000. And... But he had been known a long time, and he was just an ordinary guy to them. So, you and me, do we ever turn Jesus or the idea of Jesus into something kind of ordinary? You know, maybe even iconic, and you know what I mean by iconic, He's kind of a symbol for our faith rather than this powerful God who works through us. In many parts of the world where Christianity used to have power and influence, we see such a, a weak expression of our faith, a weak expression of the church. And it's, it, 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 there's this, this focus on ritual. There's this focus on routine. And Jesus is far more than a symbol He's the powerful spirit within the heart of man. And the skeptics, they they just want to argue with Jesus. They they want to to reason with him. They want to trip him up. They want to say, well, prove it. Are there skeptics today trying to tear down the life of Christ Jesus? (laughs) Are Are there skeptics who won't come to Christ because of all kinds of excuses? Well, you know that church, they're just full of hypocrites down there. Have you ever heard that one? I'm not going to be a Christian. That church is just full of hypocrites. On Judgment Day, I wonder how that's going to work with Jesus. I didn't come to you, Jesus, because I met some hypocrites. He's going to say, I never knew you. It's important for us to realize that uh, everything... About Christ, everything about the skeptics' approach to Christ, everything hinges on whether or not Jesus was really God. Was Jesus really God? And, and because it's so critical to the mission of Christ that Jesus, that God, the one and only God, who became a man, died on a cross for us, because it's so critical that He be Jesus, I mean, He be God, that's where they really take their attack. Ah, we knew His mom and dad. He's just the kid from Nazareth. He's not God. And even today, that's that's what's always challenged. Jesus really wasn't God. And if you're skeptical about Jesus being God, then I challenge you today to decide what you and who you think he really was. Because Jesus said he is what... God. And if Jesus says he's God and He's not, well, what does that make him? You know, C.S. Lewis says that you only have two other options. He's either a raving lunatic or he's a blatant liar. There's really the only two other options you have. So you really only have the three choices to choose from. He's he's not a great teacher. He wasn't a great man only. Because a great man who wasn't God, who claimed to be God. Well, that would nullify him being a great man. (laughs) So, a good teacher, a great man, a great prophet, but not God is not an option based on what Jesus said about himself. There may be a little skepticism in many of us about Jesus, such as Do I believe in a miracle working Jesus that lives in me today? I really believe that Jesus will work miracles in me? Will Jesus work miracles in my life? Or am I skeptical that he really does those kinds of things anymore? Especially for me. The conversation goes on. And uh, as Jesus usually does, he can't leave well enough alone. He pushes us deeper into this thought that he's in about being the bread of life. And so we come to verse 53. He says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And then in verse 66 it says, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. The wave of popularity that uh, Jesus had been riding on was coming to an end, wouldn't you say? He he was not at all concerned about the size of his audience, about tickling their ears, about telling them things to make them feel good. He was all about revealing what the kingdom of God was like, what his mission was like. He was concerned about the condition of each individual person's heart. He was saying that when it comes to following him, you have to be all in. His comment about eating his flesh and drinking his blood was most disturbing to his followers. It was kind of like, I don't understand what he's saying, but it sounds disgusting to me. They really had no idea what he was talking about. Because Jesus was speaking spiritually to them and they were thinking fleshly, weren't they? He was talking about their spiritual identity being him. You consume me, and my life becomes what is seen through you. He was talking spiritually about their identity, not about their next meal. (laughs) They just couldn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't have the spiritual ears to hear. And Jesus is saying that if you want true life, if you want true life, You have to completely identify with him. You have to completely consume him. You have to completely be about him. You can't be a pseudo or a half Christian. (laughs) You can't just love to sing the great songs and listen to great sermons and read great books. But you also have to drink the cup that Jesus drinks, which is death. Death to self, death to what I wanted out of life, death to my agenda. And for some, that's just taking it too far. And not only was that true in Jesus' day, but it's still true today, folks. Many people want some of the Jesus life. I don't really want the whole identity thing. I don't really want the whole... They don't, they don't want to get too radical about all this. you ever heard that? <laughs> I just don't want to be known as a radical Jesus freak. <clears throat> and that's the crowd. That's the description of the crowd, the Jesus train people. I'll jump on the Jesus train. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of great things happening. I want to be a part of this. And they live for self and want Jesus on their terms, not the terms of the word. Not the terms that he came and expressed. He want, they want Jesus to do for them. And there are lots of people like this today. They attend church when they can and they do as many spiritual things as they can fit into their schedule. But the bottom line is, is that they are the master of their domain. Their life is going to be organized and managed the way they want it. They will only minister when it's something they like to do. They'll only give when they have a little extra after all the other obligations are paid, including entertainment and fun. But they also believe that when they get into trouble or have a problem, where do they go running to? Well, Jesus, you know, you saw all those spiritual things I've done, right? I've made it to church as often as I can. I sing praises every once in a while. I I even pray like once a week. So Jesus, come and fix this. You see, the crowd uses Jesus. They use Jesus for self. And Jesus is saying to those kinds of followers today that you either die to control over your life and, or my word is going to be too much for you to take. And you are going to mentally or literally walk away because it's just too much hard, too much. I, I, no. Many people sitting in churches every week have walked away and they still come to church because it pacifies their conscience or it makes others think good of them. They really have no intention of being all in, close to Jesus heart of passion for him. They don't want to eat and drink Jesus. They don't want to be so intimate with him that nothing else matters because so much else really does matter to them. And, And sometimes we wonder why there's no demonstration of power in the church or why the influence of the church is waning in the culture. Why do so few people have any interest in prayer? Why do most people evaluate worship in the church rather than worship in the church? And you want to know why? It's because we have a missing ingredient. And it's Jesus. The presence and the power. And the intimate walk with Jesus. You see, when people hunger for him and feast on him and forsake all other mistresses in their life for him, the reality of who he is begins to emerge. And he's that's what he's saying here. He's saying, you cannot halfway follow me. Following me is not a feel-good. Happy, go lucky, have your cake and eat it too have the mix of the world and all of the things of the church, and it's just not that kind of life. You can't have Jesus on your terms. And finally, Jesus turns to his inner circle. You know, we've already had the skeptics have challenged him. They've probably walked away. And then the the crowd, you know, they said this is disgusting what he's saying. I don't want to be a part of this. And so they are all walking away. And this kind of leaves us the impression that now Jesus is just here with his 12. And so he turns to them in verse 67, and he says this. So Jesus said to the 12, You do not want to go away also, do you? <laughs> and Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Don't you love Peter? I know he makes a few mistakes down the road, but don't you love him right here? <laughs> Jesus is, is, is saying to his followers, now I've told you the truth. I mean, you got a, you got a hunger and thirst for me. I'm the only life that you're ever going to have <laughs> worth living. And now you kind of get it. You understand? Are you still with me? He asks the same of you and me today, doesn't he? He asks me every day: Are you with me? Or are you with the world? It's one or the other. And as hard as it is to give up on what we want out of life or, or a, a dream that we have for success or the dreams that we have for worldly prestige or reputation or whatever, as, as, as difficult sometimes as the dying to self is, the walk with Jesus, I'm here to testify, is so, so sweet. It is so, so sweet. And Peter understands this truth about his life and and this life with Christ. He says, where are we going to go, Jesus? What is implied by that little phrase where Peter says, where are we going to go? It's it's like we've looked for other options. (laughs) We've looked at all of the possibilities for what we are going to do spiritually in lives. And where are we going to go, Jesus? And maybe, quite frankly, he's saying, Jesus, what you're telling us today is, is difficult for us. And this whole thing about eating your flesh and drinking your blood, I'm sure at this time Peter's going, I don't really understand really what that means. <laughs> but if Jesus says it, I'm going with it. If Jesus says it, I'm going with it. He says that only in you, Jesus, do we find the words of life. He says, we have believed and have come to know that you, Jesus, are the Holy One of God. In other words, I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in. I've counted the cost. I've summed up the situation. And no matter what it takes, I will follow. I will give my life my future, I will give it all for the sake of following you, Jesus. You see, he finally gets the choice before every person. It's the same choice that we have today. It's the first option is that well, you can be in charge of your life. You can live for success in this world and 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 be empty and dead inside spiritually. And constantly doing things that you know you ought not to do. And at the end of the journey, you end up dying one day, leaving really nothing in this world. And live forever in an evil place, regretting every minute of your life on this planet. That's the description of choice one. Oh, but at least you'll be able to say, I did it my way. The other choice is to die now. <laughs> is to die now to the things of this world, to your success and your power and your wealth and all of the stuff that the world says you ought to have. Is to die to all of that stuff right now so you can receive the bread of life, Jesus. And that, that he becomes you. He, his identity becomes who you now live. He begins to govern your life. And all you do is what he wills for you to do. All that he reveals for you to do. And you're, you're at his disposal. You're at his availability all the days of your life. And Peter understood the choice. And he chose well, didn't he? You see, the disciple is this. The disciple, they understand the cost and follow Jesus on his terms. They understand the cost. And I think Peter really understood the cost of what it meant to follow Jesus here. I understand what it's going to cost me. I understand that I've left all things to follow you. And I will do it. You know, it's no coincidence that Jesus uses his body and blood as visuals in this dialogue. And from our vantage point now in history, we look back and understand that Jesus is talking about his coming death and payment for sin. He's inviting all to participate in his death so that just as he died for sin, we die to sin. We die to our former life. We say, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to turn away from that life. And just as Jesus rose to new life, so he births in us this new creature, fully redeemed and fully holy and full of him he's not looking at your old life to see if he can straighten it up (laughs) he's looking at your old life and he wants to do away with that and build in you and rebirth in you something brand new that you've never experienced before and it's done by the work that we call atonement the jesus payment of the debt Our sin has created a debt, and we owe to the righteousness of God, and that debt has to be paid. And Jesus gave of his body and blood so that this debt could be atoned for, paid for, the debt erased for those that trust in him. And so we have these three. You have the skeptic, you have the crowd, and you have the disciples. And you knew I was going to ask this. Which one are you? (laughs) Are you this skeptic on the outside looking in and you're trying to find holes in the Christian message so you can avoid dealing with it? Are you automatically dismissing the claims of Christ because they do sound outlandish or impossible? Are you immediately skeptical when you hear about the demonstration of the power of God? Maybe you're part of the crowd today that follows after Jesus because, well, you just like the culture of being part of something that's exciting and maybe fun or sometimes meaningful or thought-provoking. You just like the culture of Christians. Do you like to hear the Word of God but just ignore things like death to self, surrender everything, radical obedience? Oh, please, pastor. (laughs) Can we just preach the happy parts? (laughs) Do you pick and choose what parts of the word you want to apply to your life? Or do you follow him for what you get out of it? Is it all on your terms? Or are you a follower, a disciple? You understand, you understand, your mind perceives the enormous cost that Jesus paid for you. And my only response is, I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in. You love Jesus with everything you have, and you know that your place is one of a bondservant. I'm a slave to the will of God. Whatever he wants me to say, I'll say. Wherever he wants me to go, I'll go. I'm your slave. I'm your bondservant. I'm yours. I'm all in. And you serve with this joy-filled heart because you serve a master that you know talks to you and cares for you and loves you and speaks to you about your future and, and guides you in ways that you didn't think possible. And the new creation that he's made in you begins to nurture your soul. The disciple. And the mission of the church, folks, is simply to make what? (laughs) Disciples. That's the mission we're on. We're not here to uh, we're not here to make a big crowd. We're not here to, uh, to, to, to see how many people we can gather with exciting, wonderful, fun things. As a church, we're called to make radical followers. Of Jesus Christ. We're called to present Jesus, his full Jesus, the the way he's expressed in the Word of God, and invite people to enter his life. You're invited today to know the real Jesus. You're invited today to consume Jesus, to hunger and thirst for him. You're invited to forsake your agenda, your way, to lay it down, to cast it aside and follow. Skeptics, I encourage you to stop trying to find excuses why you shouldn't come to Christ. It's not about the hypocrites in the church. Are there hypocrites in the church, by the way? Occasionally. I did that quick, not so it didn't land on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we admit it. We don't always live the Jesus life the way we ought to, don't we? Don't let that keep you from the life, the fullness of what your purpose on this earth is all about. Don't look at the problems of Christianity or the history, or, you know, I've heard people say, I can't become a Christian. Look at the Crusades. Oh, my word. <laughs> it's just about you. Now let's be honest, it's about your pride of not wanting to give in and do what you know you're called and you're feeling you ought to do. And many, many are standing in the crowd. They want Jesus, they want the church, they want what they can get out of it. And we're calling you out of the crowd today. Come out of the crowd and be a follower, a disciple. Be counted with Jesus. Go to the cross with your pride. Go to the cross with your agenda. Go to the cross with your future and just nail it there. Are you his? Are you available? Is he Lord? Let's let him be the master. Will you do it? Will you do that? Christ Jesus, we come to you today in these closing moments. And uh, I pray, as I've prayed in preparation for this message today, that you would speak clearly to our hearts, and that you would penetrate with your word, that you would help us to understand our own personal journey with you and the ways in which we've held on to things. And Father, I pray for every person here, even the most mature Christian here, I pray that they would be searching through your spirit in their own life to say, Jesus, where have I taken control, or where have I? wanted the things from you. I wanted to avoid hard things. I wanted to avoid hard choices that you're calling me to make. I wanted to avoid them. And I'm coming to you today saying, Lord, I'm all in. Where else am I going to go? You have the words of life. And I'm, I believe wholeheartedly that you are the Holy One of God. You are the bread of life and I will find meaning. I will find purpose. I will find the reality of why I exist only in you. Jesus, more than once you looked at crowds that followed after you and you said, these are like sheep without a shepherd. They're scattered and they're running around and they're chasing after things and they don't have anybody to come and really explain to them why they exist and Father, there's so many who have gone down the road of self-reliance and self and have ended up in such broken places. And I pray in these moments that they would come to you and say, Lord, I'm all in. Do what you need to do in my life. I'm tired of the old me, and I'm praying that you would come and remove the old me and put your spirit in me. I confess that I am a sinner. I'm in need of you today. I confess that uh, my life is uh, at a place where it's just a mess. And I want your spirit to so live in me. I hold no expectations. I don't uh, hold you over a barrel to say, if I come to you, you're going to do all these things. I, don't, I just, pure and simple, am coming to you today and say, Lord, wipe away my sin. Forgive me and give me new birth, a new life. I come to you today and I identify with the crowd and I know that I have used you, Jesus, and I've expected things from you and I've expected that you come through for me. And it's almost like I've been the Lord and you've been the servant. And I'm coming to you today to say, oh Lord, I don't want to walk that way anymore. That's not life in you. I want to be obedient. I want to be yours. I want to be your bondservant. I want to find the real life of you in me. Father, we know that all of this is because you love us. You want the best for us. You want us to know why we were created. You gave your life on a cross so that we could be reconciled to God and realize the purpose of our life. So Father, we come to you and express ourselves of this great and amazing love, this great exchange that has taken place in our lives. In Christ's name we pray these things. Let's just sing.